Good top of the morning to you all for Oaks Community Church. It is Pastor Paul. It is here on a, wow, Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. So glad that you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. If you're fairly new to this, we take the passage that we are going to be preaching on for the upcoming Sunday, and we spend the week prior, which is now, unpacking that passage together. And the idea here is that when you're dialing in, tuning in to these devotionals, you're not just getting some theological information or some biblical knowledge, although, of course, that's part of it. What you're hopefully, in essence, getting is some help, some tools, some aids for knowing, learning, applying, studying the Word of God for yourself. Um, as I'm working through a passage that I'm going to be preaching on for that coming Sunday, you're able to sort of join me, so to speak, and seeing how I'm wrestling with it and how the tools that I'm sort of using to, to, to bring things to bear in terms of better understanding the passage. So that's what we do. And of course, we're now in Matthew um, chapter 9. So let me read the passage that's under consideration and let's dig in. Verse 1 says, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your, sons are for, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts, for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. All right. You've heard us talk about before this idea of biblical interpretation being a series of concentric circles, with the innermost circle being the meaning of the text, the heart of the text, um, the central truth or message of the text. And only by getting to that place have we done our hermeneutical, exegetical job and then are able to apply, rightly apply, um, those passage or that passage to ourselves. But if, if that's the innermost circle, the outermost circle would be something like context or how do we situate the passage within uh, the larger scope of the book that we're studying. And so we've been talking about that the past couple of days. We've talked about the theme of Matthew being this idea that Jesus is the Messiah King, the long-awaited, anointed, prophesied one from the Old Testament, and that everything Matthew is attempting to do is to demonstrate this kingship of Jesus. We also said that up to this point, all of these miracles that Jesus has been doing, the healings, the exorcisms, have all been part of this proclamation of the coming of the kingdom of God. As the creation order is restored, as diseases are healed, this is, this is Jesus's way of saying, I am taking back slowly but surely um, 
this realm of brokenness from Satan, from sin, and from death. I'm giving you a foretaste of what my kingdom is going to be like. And so that's, that's, the, that's the context. Um, now, let's go down a, 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 a further circle and note that there is a new element to this passage. And this new element is this idea of the forgiveness of sins. And we left off last time by noting that, that one of the things that Matthew seems to be wanting to communicate to us is that as important and as vital um, as, as important and vital are, are things like healings or exorcisms or making the lame walk or the blind to see, ultimately they're not our most pressing issue. They're not our most fundamental problem. Our most fundamental problem, of course, is our sin, which means our greatest need is for forgiveness. So what we're saying is that it seems that what Jesus is doing here is wanting to teach us something about forgiveness and the nature of forgiveness. And, and this is where I think we're going to begin to constrict those circles and bear, and bear in. So the way that I look at this passage, and again, there's many ways to think about a passage or divide a passage, there seems to be three sorts of audiences here or three groups of people. And the first group of people, and, the, and they all have a, a particular relationship to Jesus, okay? The first group of people that we see um, is the paralytic himself, the one who was paralyzed, um, and his friends or entourage, the ones that have brought him forward to Jesus. That's our first group. There's a second group that Jesus addresses, and these, of course, are the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who are sort of evaluating, judging what's going on. And finally, um, the last group are the crowds. These are those who are witnessing it, and there is something that's being communicated in relationship to them as well. And so what we're going to do the next three days is, is, is start with each of those groups and try to understand, take one group a day, what Jesus is saying, teaching about forgiveness. And let's, of course, start with the paralytic and his friends. Now, one of the things that immediately gets our attention here is what seems to be a non sequitur, a meaning it's, it's sort of an out-of-context statement where here these men, and this man in particular, they're, they're presenting themselves to Jesus. It says he's a paralytic. That could mean a lot of things. It could be a paraplegic, a quadriplegic. We don't know if, if this man has had a stroke. We don't know if he can talk. We, we don't know. But what we, what we do know is that unlike other situations where Jesus does the healing, Jesus here not only heals, but he interjects this idea of the forgiveness of sins. And so we know that there's, there's something that we are to understand about uh, the relationship of what is happening here. Now, one of, the, um, one of the common understandings at the time among not just Jews, but among, among many, was that there was a direct correlation between sin and the particular disease or um, mishap that you were experiencing physically, um, your affirmities. There, 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 was, there, was, 
there was seen to be a one-to-one correlation. This was a common understanding. Remember uh, from John chapter 9, for example, where the man who was born blind was brought to Jesus and was seeking healing. And what was the question the crowds had? Jesus, who was it, this man or his parents who sinned that, this, that he indeed was born blind? And what does Jesus say? It's neither. This man was created like this by God to demonstrate the glory of God. So one of the things that, that we can sense here and, and we also get a, a sense of, of sort of the desperateness of the situation from Mark and Luke's account of this story because they taught, tell us that, that these men, in fact, were so desperate to get to Jesus, they cut a hole in the roof. Now, Matthew doesn't go into that sort of um, detail, but what you get here is this sense that not only was this paralytic and his friends, not only were they desperate to get to Jesus because they wanted a physical healing. Okay, that was certainly part of it. But you get the sense that this physical healing, or I'm sorry, this physical desperation paralleled a spiritual desperation they also had in their hearts. Um, some of you have known people who have been chronically ill or acutely ill. And sometimes, um, you, you just sense, and this and some, this may be some of your own experience, where, where you are just sort of groaning under your suffering. And, and what you're groaning about is not just the physical anguish that you might be experiencing. You're, you're groaning under the anguish of this is the way things are, that there is a sense of hopelessness that's set in. There's a sense in which there is a... a, a a feeling of despair, um, of, of, of yearning for, for things to be different. And I think that, that, is, that, that we are meant to see that here, that, that being a paralytic is, is, is a very hopeless, permanent condition. And as these men make this gargantuan effort to be seen by Jesus and healed by Jesus, they no doubt wanted a physical healing, but they also were yearning, I think, and this is implied in the text, that they needed a spiritual healing. In other words, in their minds, these things really couldn't be separated. And it certainly wouldn't be accurate to say, well, this man's a paralytic because he sinned and Jesus is forgiving his, his um, by, by, by the virtue of Jesus healing him, he's having his sins forgiven. That's, that's not the equation here right? Um, the, the equation here is that this man is a symbol of those who are poor in spirit, uh, which we learned about in the Sermon on the Mount, that, that these men were coming at a place of desperation, um, that, that they weren't there simply to get their medical fix. They simply weren't wanting a show. They were desiring a holistic healing. And it's interesting that what Jesus says to them or says to this man about this, look in verse two, he says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. That, that phrase, take heart, it means not just be encouraged, but take hope. Um, may, it, may it be well with your soul. Um, um, 
have a have a renewed outlook on your heart and your spiritual condition. I think that's the the sense of, of what Jesus is saying here. Um, he he sees the man's physical needs, but know that this man yearns with a deep spiritual need in his heart, and takes this opportunity to tell him that the faith that you are you are acting out by coming to me for healing, that that I accept your faith as a, at its core, a desperate plea for me, a desperate call for me, a desperate need for me, that you in fact are poor in spirit, and that you are humbling yourself, bringing yourself to me, and that your desire for a physical healing is really just a sign that you have a heart that's broken and needs um, fixing and that you recognize me, Jesus, as the only one who can do that. So I think that that's probably, I think, more the dynamic of what is happening here. Now, he isn't doing this miracle in a vacuum, right? He's doing it in front of the crowds. He's doing it in front of the religious leaders. And the religious leaders tune in right away with the implications of what Jesus is saying. And they say to themselves, this man is blaspheming, right? Because after all, only God can forgive sins. And that's where we're going to pick things up tomorrow. But again, what we're trying to understand here is the relationship of physical healing and spiritual healing, the forgiveness of sins. It's not a one-to-one -one correlation. It's simply that one, physical, is a sign, is a symbol of a true um, spiritual desperation need that is, that is being held to by these men and this paralytic. And Jesus sees their hearts. He sees this man's faith. And he says, in fact, your faith, um, by virtue of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Okay, that's today. Tomorrow, we'll pick it right back up with the Pharisees, and we'll keep digging into the Word of God. I hope you're encouraged um, to know your greatest need, my greatest need, is for forgiveness, and Jesus offers that. All we have to do is ask, and to repent, and to come before Him humbly, just like the paralytic. All right, let's pray. Lord, we want to have a tender heart like this man and his friends. Lord, we want to be um, shaped um, by our need. We want to be poor in spirit. And so, Father, we pray now that you would cultivate this in our hearts as we look to you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. See you tomorrow.